It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We've been richly blessed already this morning, and uh, my mind has went different directions this morning. We started out this morning with the resurrection, and then Sunday school was about the death and, of Christ, and so we've, we're getting the, the whole scope this morning here, and uh, I'd like to take you back a little bit again to the resurrection of Christ. Um, my mind went to a verse in First Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. And so it's a blessing and a privilege that we have today as Christians to be able to gather in such a way and have hope. Have hope for uh, eternal life. Have the hope that death is not the end of things, but there's a resurrection. And we can live forever with, with God. That should give us great joy this morning as we're together, as we have reminisced already earlier about the risen Lord. That last song we sang ended with a phrase, uh, something like, if we die believing, we die in his love, something to that effect. And that kind of sets the stage for what we want to share today. Uh, I'd like to look at the subject of Christ is risen, do I believe? I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 16 for a text this morning. Mark chapter 16. Dan spoke this morning uh, in the sunrise service about knowing. I appreciated that. How that we can know that our Redeemer lives. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And we'd like to look now at another step, and that is believing. We know it, but do we believe it? Mark 16, I like to read verses 9 through 16. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. This passage talks about three appearances of Christ. The first appearance is to Mary, and she goes, is told to go and tell the disciples, and it says that they believed her not. The second appearance is to what we believe is the men, two men on the Emmaus Road, and 
after their experience, they go and tell the disciples, and again, they believe not. The third appearance here is Jesus himself to the disciples, and he chides them or scolds them because they did not believe the others. Verse 16, pretty strong language here to the disciples. He says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's strong language, but today, I believe, is still true. If we believe in God and Christ, believe that he died, he rose again, put our faith in God, we can be saved. If we don't believe, we will be damned eternally away from God. Now, he says here in verse 15 also, he told them to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then in verse 17, it says, and I believe this was especially for them, and these signs shall follow them that believe. I believe as they understood that he had risen and believed in him, as they went and then preached, like he asked them to do in verse 15, then these signs in verses 17 and 18 would follow them. I believe it was a confirmation that they had believed in God, they had believed his word, they had carried out his commands. And these signs here that were given were to help them understand that their belief was real. He goes on in verse 19 to say that After this, then the Lord was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. In verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I believe verse 20 would give us indication that they did believe eventually. They believed, they listened to his commands to go and preach. It says they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord confirming with them the word with signs. And so may we be challenged today to believe the scriptures, to believe the accounts, to believe that Christ has risen. May we be challenged to share the good news of Christ and that he lives forevermore. Now, the disciples, it seems, from looking at this passage, had some trouble believing. And and that's always somewhat puzzled me. Uh, We read it right here three different times. They believed not. And Christ had told them that he would rise the third day. In Matthew 16, when Christ had told Peter there, you remember the account, he told Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then a few verses later, it says, Jesus began to show the disciples he would go to Jerusalem and suffer and be killed and raised the third day. In chapter 20 of Matthew, verse 17, Jesus took the twelve away to themselves, it says, 
And he, was, he said unto them, The Son of Man will be betrayed, contempt, condemned to die, and crucified, and the third day he'll rise again. Luke 9, it's almost the same words. He told them he would rise the third day. In Mark chapter 9, after the transfiguration, Christ told the disciples that were with him there, he said, you're not to tell what you saw here at the transfiguration. You're not to tell anyone what you saw until after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. And it says there then, I think in the next verse, that they questioned among themselves what that meant. Uh, seems like they, they just didn't quite understand what he was saying to them. In John 20, verse 9, this is after Mary had uh, went to the tomb, found it empty, and she ran to them and told the disciples, that the tomb was empty, and then I believe Peter and John came, and they looked. After that, it says, Yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. I'm not sure what all that means. Does it mean that they didn't understand the Old Testament prophecy that was given a few times, uh, there's quite a bit of Old Testament scripture that talked about Christ's coming, but there's some that give indication of a new life or resurrection. Is, was that what they didn't understand? Or what we just looked at where he, he directly said, I will be killed, I will die, but I'll rise again the third day. Didn't they understand that? Didn't it register with their minds, in their minds? I'm not sure. Well, we don't want to be too hard on the disciples. Uh, we're on this side looking back, and we have scripture to read. We probably would be the same as they uh, if we had been there. But I, I say we have advantage because we have the scripture. We can look back. We read the story. But it's understandable. Their Lord and Master had died a cruel death. He was innocent. We saw that in today's Sunday school lesson. They were in shock. And death is so final in our minds. They were grieving. It's understandable. We struggle with the same emotions. And I was found this comment in uh, Wheaton's commentary, and it put it in the exact words that we all experienced and the disciples experienced. He said, we weep and mourn for our Christian family and friends when deceased, even though we know they are living in soul and will rise again at the last day. Our sense so overcomes our faith that we are overwhelmed with sorrow for the sad lot of those whom we fully believe to have gone to a better world. I think that describes it so well. Uh, that's 
That's where they found themselves. That's where we find ourselves at times. Uh, they saw the death of Christ as, as final. It, he was their Lord and Master, and all of a sudden he's gone. He has died, and their senses overcomes their faith. Well, let's look at Mary here. In this passage, we have Mary, we have the two on the road to Emmaus, and we have the appearance of Christ with the disciples. In, in verse 9 here, it says, Mary, the one that out of whom was cast seven devils, we have here the Mary that was possessed. Christ had forgiven her of her sins. She had been uh, given freedom from these. She was forgiven much, and she loved her Lord much. Mary was at the crucifixion. She was at the burial. She was at the empty tomb. She was one of the last ones at the cross, and she was the first one at the tomb. She was the first one to see the risen Lord. And she was told to go tell the disciples. She was the first one that told the news. Let's go to John chapter 20 and pick up the story here from John as it relates to Mary. John chapter 20. I'm not going to read all these verses, but we know the story here. She had went to the tomb, and uh, the stone was rolled away, and, and the body was not there. And she runneth until the other disciples in the early part of this chapter. And then John and Peter, I believe, run and come to the tomb. And then they leave. And then verse 11 is where I'd like to pick up and read 11 through 18. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus was, had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou had borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Mary was concerned 
about where Jesus' body was, but it was gone. She is overwhelmed. She's discouraged. Then Jesus calls her name, Mary, and her life is changed. She believed. Someone said the voice that wakes the dead brought new life to Mary. How often are we like Mary? Maybe sad or grieving or maybe just in our routine of life. And like Mary was standing there in the garden and Christ is with her. He's standing there beside her and she didn't even recognize him. And so we sometimes in life Maybe we don't realize that Christ is with us. He's close beside us. We're not closely connected to him. And at times he needs to call our name, Mary or David, or put your name in there. We're on this side. We have the Holy Spirit. Uh, do we still struggle with belief or do we enjoy the garden walk? See, Austin Miles was meditating on this passage in John 20, what we just read, and he caught a vision of Mary in the garden and he wrote a song with these words, I come to the garden alone. This is what he wrote. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him though the night around me be falling but he bids me go, though the voice of woe, his voice to me is calling. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Do we experience the garden walk? If we do, you know, we can't always stay there in the garden, but if, if our belief is strengthened there as we walk with Christ and he talks with us, then we must move on, as he told Mary, go and tell the disciples. We, too, must go and tell others about the resurrected Lord. Now, our text in Mark also talked about the two on the road to Emmaus. And uh, you can turn to Luke 24, and we'll pick up that story of the two on the road to Emmaus. We know this story, again, very well, I think, and I'm not going to read all of it, but Luke 24, verse 13, we have 
Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And as they talked together of the things that had happened, it came to pass in verse 15 that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And it goes on here. Uh, one of the men then respond, Haven't you heard? Don't you know what happened? And so he goes on in the next verses and, and tells what has happened about how Christ was crucified, uh, he was condemned to death, and it says in verse 21, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And then he goes on to tell how the women went to the tomb and the body's not there. And so he explains to Christ, you know, what the situation is. We're, we're confused. We don't know what's going on. Verse 25, then Jesus responds, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Ought, Christ, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then he begins to explain to them the scripture of the Old Testament, various things. And then... They constrained him in verse 29 to stay with them. Verse 30, it came to pass as he sat at meat with him, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. All of a sudden, as he broke and blessed the bread, their eyes were opened and they realized this is Jesus. Their eyes were opened, and it says in verse 39, I mean verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Again, are we at times like the two men on the Emmaus Road? Are we at times slow of heart to believe? And then God does some special work in our heart and life or some we see God move in a special way and then our eyes are opened and we believe. And it says that they had said did not their heart burn within them. That's not talking about the kind of heartburn that we don't like to have but it was a spiritual heart that was burning with uh, desire and enjoyment of being with Christ, of being with God. We need that kind of heartburn. And so our belief when something like this happens, when their eyes were open, when our eyes are open, our belief takes on a stronger uh, it, it strengthens our faith. If we have experience like it, our faith is strengthened. 
our text in Mark then talks about how Jesus appears to the disciples, and that's also here in Luke 24. Uh, as these two men then went and told the disciples their experience, verse 36, and as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Verse 37, But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. So it seems as he appeared there to the disciples, he was saying, Well, here I am. You know, it says they were troubled. He asked them, why are you troubled? Why do you have thoughts? Here I am. Just believe. And he showed them his hands, verse 40, and his feet. And it says in verse 41, And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you any meat? I believe he's then taking a step here to prove to them who he is. He'll even take food and eat in front of them and prove that he's alive. But it says they believed, here it says they believed not for joy. And, and that's a little different twist to it. And yet someone has said that they... they uh, believed not for three reasons. The first reason they didn't believe was because of the strangeness of things. You know, some unusual things took place that day. Very unusual. And so they, they couldn't believe it. They did not believe it. The second reason they believed not is because of fear. When all those things happened, they began to get fearful. And then the third reason they did not believe was because of joy. And you read that and you think, well, that should have made them believe. But, you know, I've heard people say, you've heard it too probably, something happens that's just really wonderful and they say, well, I just can't believe it. And I think that's the way it was here. They were, they were so filled with joy and happiness that here is Christ right in front of us that it was just too good to be true. Verse 44, he says, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He says there that you know, this, this is what I told you would happen. And we read some of that earlier. He said, I told you this would happen. And, and these are the things that I told you. And now it's being fulfilled right in front of your eyes. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. We 
talked about in, in uh, John 20, that verse where it said they knew not the scriptures uh, after some of these things happened. Well, here, now it says that he opened to them the understanding that they might understand. And so this morning, are, are we allowing Christ and the Holy Spirit, which we now have, to open up our understanding? Do we allow Christ to open up the scriptures to us? He says right here that he, he can do that. He did that to them, and he can do it for us. Are we allowing Christ to strengthen our belief as we study the scripture and allow him to speak to our hearts? Well, what does it take for us to believe? We have many proofs in the scripture of the resurrection. I just jotted down seven here uh, of proofs that there was a resurrection. If there's any doubt in our minds, we have record, historical record, that proves that Christ did arise. Uh, one of the things that I often think about is there in Matthew 27. If you remember, the authorities, they got rumor that he might rise the third day and so it says they made the sepulcher sure and i believe we have reading there where it says they put extra guards around the tomb to make sure that he didn't come out of there well we know the rest of the story he arose so man tried to stop it and they couldn't a second proof is he was seen by all these people that we've already mentioned, the women, the men, the disciples, the men on the mass road. And then I'd like for us to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. I'd like to read eight verses here. This is Paul's writing. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that... He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me, also as one born out of due time. He says here, Paul says, I'm preaching the gospel to you. This is the gospel. And he says in verse 2, You are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. And so he's telling them here that we need to believe this. This is the gospel. It's true. And we need to believe it. Well, then he goes on then in verses 3 to 8 and, and states the facts. These are the facts. Christ died. He was buried. He rose the third day. Uh, and he was seen of all these men, and last of all, he was seen of me. I saw Christ. Proofs of the resurrection. 
The fourth thing is we have the physical evidence. We've already mentioned that, and, and that's when Jesus appeared to the disciples, uh, to Thomas, and showed them the evidence. Here's my hands, my feet. They've been pierced, my side. A fifth thing is there in Mark 16, we read that he after, after he arose, he ascended to heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father. And then if you remember the account, when Stephen died, he says that he saw Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. Stephen saw Christ alive, standing at the right hand when he died. And I believe this is something that happens to Christians. And this should strengthen our faith, to know that when a Christian dies, I believe Christ is standing to welcome them home. It, it happened there with Stephen, and we could give many examples that would give indication to that. But Christ is alive. He's there. He's been seen standing at the right hand. Uh, a sixth proof is, we've already mentioned, Paul mentioned it here, was he saw Christ. His conversion experience, you remember that, how that Christ called out to him, and the light shone around about him. Paul knew that he was alive. And a seventh proof is the early church. If you study the, the book of Acts, you see over and over again as the church started that their central theme was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter at Pentecost, he talked about the resurrection in his sermon. Paul's, many of Paul's writings and sermons, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul before Agrippa, uh, in his message there, I believe it's in Acts 26, he said before Agrippa, Christ should suffer, and he's the first to rise from the dead, and he will show light to the people and to the Gentiles. That's, that was his message. And so we have many proofs that Christ is alive. That should, that should anchor our, our belief and our faith. But what does the resurrection mean for us? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? And I've just mentioned these scriptures. We don't have time to turn to all these. But the resurrection in Romans, there's a lot in Romans. Romans 1, 4 to 6 talks about the power of, that we receive. It talks about grace and apostleship because of the resurrection. Chapter 4 talks about that Christ was raised for our justification. Romans 6, 4 and 5 talks about how it gives us newness of life. As Christ received new life, so can we. It also talks about in Romans 6 that we are alive unto God. Romans 8 says that he quickens us, or that means he gives us life. 2 Timothy 1.10 said that the resurrection brought to us life and immortality. It brings that to light, it says. And then that same chapter, just a few verses later, 
Uh, and Danny mentioned this this morning. Paul says, I know who I, whom I have believed. Do we know this morning who we have believed in and are believing in? He said he's persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed. That's what, he, that's what Paul said to Timothy after he had talked about what the resurrection brings to us. And in 1 Peter, it talks about that the resurrection brings us a lively hope and inheritance reserved in heaven. First Thessalonians 4, there's many verses there we could read that talk about what is to come in later life. But it says there, just in my own words, that if we believe in the resurrection, it means Christ is coming back and he will be and we can be with him forever. That's what the resurrection means. Well, as we think of this then, you know, Mary and the disciples were weeping, it says, because Christ was not in the tomb. And we already talked about that. We understand that. It was death. It was sadness. It was sorrow. But I don't know if you ever thought about this. And it was a new thought to me. But we already talked about their understanding of the scriptures. Seemingly they didn't quite understand it or understand what was going to happen. But they came to the tomb expecting to see the body of Christ. Mary was going to anoint the body. They came there expecting to see the body. And it, the body wasn't there. And they were sad, they were weeping. But you know, if they would have really understood the scriptures, and if they would have came there and the body was still there, then what? Well, that could have also brought weeping and sadness. But see, they didn't put that quite together. They came expecting to see the body, but if it was still there, where would we be today? Where would we be if he had not risen? That would also be reason to weep. 1 Corinthians 15 I'm still here at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, let's look at verse 14, 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Verse 17. And if Christ be not risen, your faith is vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. That should give us rejoicing this morning. That he wasn't there. He was risen. And we could read many ver verses here in chapter 15. Chapter 15, if you want to read about the resurrection, just read and read and 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the resurrection and what 
it means for us and what it means for the future. But his resurrection brought forgiveness of sin. It brought a completeness. It brought new life. And so this morning, do we see the importance of the resurrection? Our faith should be strengthened. Our belief should be cemented knowing that Christ was not there and he lives forevermore. A foundational verse is Romans 10 and verse 9. This is a verse that is used often when leading someone to the Lord. But it says there that if we believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It seems like there that it's, it's actually the, the belief of the resurrection of Christ is, is a bottom line thing that's needed in order to be saved. We must believe that Christ arose. Not only that he died, but that he arose. It says there that we must believe that he arose if we are to be saved. So this morning, what is our level of belief? We've seen this morning the disciples had different levels of belief. Some worshipped, some doubted, some trembled, some were amazed, some believed not, some wondered. Some were slow at heart. Some lacked recognition of Christ. Some believed and some told. Someone has said that there's four stages of belief for the disciples and this can be true for us as well. The first stage was they believed Christ died. They saw that. So they believed that. The second stage is they believed that he was alive because someone told them. And so they believed that even though they had some doubts, but they believed. And, you know, we can, we can believe that too because we have the scripture that tells us. A third stage is, is when they saw him, then there was a, another step in their belief. Yeah, we heard it, but now he's right here. And we can experience Christ in our lives. We can experience that stage as well. And the fourth stage of belief is that they believed it to the point that they were willing to go and tell others. Have we reached that stage in our belief? that we know it's so real that we're willing to go and tell others, regardless of, of what it might mean to us. Well, this morning, if we believe in the resurrection, it's a change that will affect our whole life. It should, it's the greatest thing in the world to know that Christ lives today someone has said because he lives I shall live because he lives I have hope when I am dying 
I have confidence when I stumble. I have a Savior who forgives my sin. I have a mediator when I pray. I have peace that passes understanding. I have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I have power to live victoriously. I have a commission to fulfill. I have assurance of seeing my saved loved ones again. I have a faith that is unshakable. I have hope that all will be made right. I have a reason to believe he will come again, just as he said. If you do not believe he lives, you have no hope, no confidence, no savior, no mediator, no peace with God, no lasting joy, no power to be an overcomer, and no meaning in life. You will live and you will die in doubt. We heard this morning in the first service a little bit about Thomas. And when I think of believing, my mind always goes to Thomas. Christ told Thomas to reach forth your hands of faith. Be not faithless, but believing. He also said to Thomas, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And then at the very end of that scripture, he also said, Scripture is written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. You see the importance of believing this morning? We must believe that Jesus is Christ, he's the Son of God, that he died and rose from the dead and he lives at the right hand. We must believe that. If we do, it says we can have life through his name. What a blessing it is to have life in Christ because of our belief in him. And as I thought of this thing of belief and as we come to the close, I thought of that account, and I think it's in Mark 9. Uh, a man came to Jesus that had a, a son that had an evil spirit. And he came to Christ, and, and he came seeking to get healing for his son. And the man said to Christ, if thou canst do anything, help us. And it's interesting to me, at least in the King James, Christ used the same words he used. Christ said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The man said, if you, if you can do anything, please help. And Jesus said, well, if you can believe, all things are possible. Well, I trust this morning that our response is, is like the Father. It says in the scripture there in Mark 9, it says the Father cried out with tears. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. This morning we can believe. 
and I know that Christ can help. Areas where we have needs, where we maybe don't believe like we should. But we can believe, we can do our part, we can believe and trust Christ to help us. He will be there. This man's son was healed. May the Lord bless us as we reflect again on the resurrection of Christ. We understand that it really did happen. And as we sung a song this morning, we know he lives because he lives within our hearts. May we truly believe what God has done, what he's doing, and what he can do in our hearts and lives that we can be faithful servants for him. I've asked Ron to lead a song. I believe you'll find it in your book racks. The song, I Believe in God. We'll sing that in closing. No soul, I believe.